Go Ask Alice is a show intended for adult audiences because adults want to learn too. Sometimes we cover sensitive material, so please take care of yourselves and listener discretion is advised. Now on to the show. Hello, internet friends, and welcome back to another episode of Go Ask Alice, the show where we jump down random internet rabbit holes and bring you wonderful factoids from our adventures adventures in Wiki Wonderland. I'm Sarah, and I'm now a Pokemon champion because Ooh. I've won one game against Simon. <gasps> Congratulations! Thank you. Just one out of like a hundred. And if you never play again, you'll always be a champion for the rest of your life. <laughs> I'm Lindsay, and I am really, really glad to be your friend. Aww. I'm Jean, and I mouth-sucked pineapple juice straight out of my keyboard a couple days ago. <laughs> this is the show for <laughs> We jump down random internet rabbit holes. Every week we all start on the same wiki page and we use hyperlinks within the article to wander around the internet in search of something fantastical and amazing and as far away from keyboard disgustingness as we can possibly go. Oh, imagine the germs that are in that. I don't, I don't want to. I simply don't want to. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Where did we start this week? This week we started on recycled clothing vintage i thought it was it was vintage clothing that's right maybe they call it something different in australia (laughs) actually sarah do you is wikipedia is the same there's no australian wikipedia right are we on the same wikipedia i think we're on the same the english version of wikipedia when i typed vintage clothing wikipedia recycled clothing came up so i just started there that is super cool for us it definitely was vintage clothing really i don't know i don't know maybe my google just didn't serve it up but that's the wiki it gave me and i'm like okay i definitely got vintage clothing first but recycled clothing was one of the first links i clicked on from that wikipedia article oh maybe google just did me a dirty and was like "Mm -mm, straight here thank you wow for us it was a bit more historic I figured it was a slang difference. But anyway, how far did you guys wander? Where did everybody end up and how many clicks? Very, very, very far. I reckon at least 50 clicks because I was clicking around. I was walking on the treadmill while listening to a podcast. It took me 30 minutes until I found a topic that I stopped at. Wow. Wow. So it was a lot. Only the best for you folks. That's right. (laughs) I, I I only did like 16 to 18 clicks. It wasn't too far away. Wow. A modest king. (laughs) <laughs> I would put myself somewhere around 15 as well, actually. Where did everybody end up? Regal us. I ended up on something called the Myosaurus. Okay. Myosaurus. Myosaurus. You can probably guess what that might be. Myo is muscular. No? Is that right? We'll get to it. Okay. I thought it was a dinosaur at first. Me too. The you said it. <laughs> it is. Oh! Ooh. Well, okay, so Sarah, like, before the show was like, I have to know how to pronounce this name. And so, like, we've had, you know, grapples with pronunciation in the past, all of us. So then when you said it just now, I was like, oh, she's saying the name Maya. Like, it's a person named, like, Maya Saurus. No, no. But they are sweet little things. Okay, I'm intrigued. (laughs) Where did you end up, Jean, for your very first deep dive oh my god so you guys have some background info on my drama over this but um it's something that was not too long ago discussed in another podcast and is as an example of mass hysteria you guys want to take a guess it was mentioned was it the marching band incident uh no it was not is it the dancing It is Dancing Mania, and I'm going to do a deep dive into that. Excellent. Oh my god, you guys, this is podcast history. Not just because it's Jean's first deep dive, but this is the first time that any of us have accidentally organically stumbled back down the same rabbit hole. So that must mean that this is the most interesting topic that metrically on all of Wikipedia for us. And for anyone who wants to listen, so it was episode 31, had Drew cover just general psychology of what mass hysteria is. Um, So I'm very keen to hear the deep dive into the dancing because we kind of skimmed that, but I really wanted to know more. I want to know, like, did people die? I think they did. It was literally the same day. I was like, I can't believe this. This is such a great yeah. topic. I spent like three hours on it. And then you're like, you're like, oh, listen to the new episode. I'm like, oh my God, there it is. There's my topic. What is happening right now? Well, I'm going to switch things up a bit. 
my topic today itself is a bit of a crazy wandering path. Okay. Despite being a very remote island called Devil's Island. Ooh. Ooh. I like it already. I want to go. Me too. Me too. You don't want to go. You don't want to go. No, but before we even discuss that, we need to do question of the week. This week's question of the week is, what are your favorite podcasts? So, what were your favorite podcasts? Lindsay, do you want to go first? I think I know a couple of yours already. (laughs) I really like horror anthologies, so I really loved the Magnus archives when those were being made. No way! Dude! Very good. I also really, really like Old Gods of Appalachia. I've been listening to that right now. And I also listen to, it's very cheesy, but I listen to a six-minute morning meditation every morning. Oh, Nice. <laughs> That's so nice. Yeah. What about you, Sarah? I have a lot because the programming is most of my job. And when I program, I listen to background noise. I was talking to one of my psychology friends about why that is. It's all about like trying to build up your brain so your attention is fully allocated anyway. So I listened to a shit ton of podcasts with long story short. And some of my absolute favorites are the Morbid podcast, Crime Junkie, uh, No Such Thing as a Fish. That is so good that Mm. is the podcast that inspired Lindsay to kind of put together the ideas for this podcast just like random facts that you can take to a dinner party Mm -hmm. so many podcasts if anyone wants come chat to me in the discord and I can unleash my full (laughs) library on you (laughs) what about you Jean I only got into podcasts like a year ago. Okay. Prior to that, I was like, podcasts are stupid. And then my sister was like, you're stupid. You really need <laughs> to give stupid. them a chance. So I did. And I was like, this is amazing. What is, what? <laughs> um, so I love horror, anything HP Lovecraft. So also the Magnus Archive Ooh. is one of the first ones. So good. I love the short stories. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. I also listened to Wizard and the Bruiser, which is, um, it's a duo. They do deep dives into the origins of all things nerd culture comic books video games films everything that sounds wicked that does sound really really cool and then of course you guys yeah Jean, long time <laughs> listener now co-host yes. <laughs> you can reach your dreams kids if you guys would like to hang out with us maybe even someday grow up to be another co-host who knows anything can happen oh uh, come hang out with us on the discord uh there's a link to it at our twitter go ask alice pod but also just come hang out with us anytime we want to know what other podcasts you listen to and spread the love around all right you ready you ready for this fuck yeah okay so a little preface preface whatever i i'm gonna split this up into basically like what is dancing mania examples and outbreaks believed causes and then treatments okay Okay. Sounds good. Real deep, real thorough deep dive. Treatments. I'm keen to hear what the treatment. Okay. Is. Okay. Okay. Ooh, oh my yeah. god, the treatments. It's oh, <laughs> oh my god. All right. All right. So I guess we'll just start with dancing mania, aka dancing plague, tarantism, choreomania, and Saint Vitus's dance was a social phenomenon that primarily occurred across mainland Europe between the 14th and 17th centuries. Although there are much earlier recordings that exist. It was described as an affliction for both adults and children, causing them to wildly and involuntarily, quote, dance until they collapse from exhaustion or injuries, sometimes leading to fatal outcomes. (gasps) People did Uh, die. I knew it. I knew it. Supposedly. Imagine your tombstone reading died on the fifth day of January from dancing. You also have to remember this is like early middle ages. So records and hyperboles are kind of all over the place. Yeah. And I bet people didn't even write on their gravestones. (laughs) If they even had gravestones. Only the very rich. One of the earliest recordings of Dancing Mania describes dancers as uncontrollably shrieking, chanting, seeing visions, calling upon both God and demons, and finally falling down, complaining of severe abdominal pain and bloating. Oh my God. (laughs) This sounds like some of the bullshit you see online where people are like, I'm possessed by the devil, and they're just attention seeking. Absolutely. And so like, this was widespread across different countries in Europe. People had no idea what the hell was going on, but we do have a famous 16th century Swiss physician named Paracelsus who um, (sighs) took his scientific take on the situation. And he said, he described it as an illness being caused by a person's laughing veins, whatever that is. (laughs) 
provoking ticklish feelings <laughs> that rose from their limbs to their head, clouding judgment and provoking extreme motion until their frenzied blood was calmed. Oh my god. Paracelsus never disappoints. That's where the science was. No. This reminds me of like your four humors. Yes, exactly. Like one of the humors was leaking into the dancing vein. How dare it's you? It's chaotic. We could see it coming. Sarah, this is so much more sophisticated than the four humors. These are the laughing vein and, and he's famous and renowned yeah, this is Paracelsus. he also said that the most common of the afflicted were quote whores and scoundrels who take pleasure in guitar and lute playing satisfying all voluptuousness bodily pleasure imagination and fancy so combine that with his science oh my god raise your hand if you're a whore and a scoundrel oh <laughs> yes you don't see it, but I'm raising my hand too. <laughs> this guy was onto something because he was kind of riding the fence between like, okay, everyone believes this is like the wrath of God and like God punishing people for their sins with divine punishment. But also he's like, I also kind of think people are fucking crazy and just like really feeding into their own fantasies and delusions. In essence, psychosomaticism, which is like what you think is what manifests in your physiological state. Sure, that kind of that's actually really interesting that even then he was on to the fact that it might just be psychologically generated. Yes, despite his laughing veins and ticklish feelings. <laughs> of course, you have other scientists who simply describe the phenomena as the collective mental disorder or just mass madness and hysteria. So that's where we are with dancing mania as a descriptor. I was going to say, was there any descriptions of what the dancing was? Like, was it a chicken dance? Was it a waltz? It was many things. It was many things. It w th there were people who were just like flailing about wildly. There were people who were, you know, ryth rhythmically dancing with each other as if there was some kind of meaning behind it. It was everything. <laughs> this is a bizarre event that lasted multiple centuries and then suddenly vanished in the 17th century and was basically never heard of again. Wow, I didn't know it lasted that long. Yeah. Um, so for my outbreaks example, I have eight of them. I, I don't know if you want me to go over all of them or just like the ones that really stood out. Your favorite favorites yeah whatever well i will do the first one because it's kind of important uh, the first recorded um outbreak it was in the seventh century which is damn yes early middle ages this is like only 150 oh years after the collapse of the roman empire and if true it could be one of the first recordings of potential mass hysteria Ooh, okay if true. So one of the earliest recordings of it beyond that was in 1020 in Bernburg, Germany, where 18 peasants suddenly and unexpectedly began singing and dancing around a church, disrupting a Christmas Eve service. I feel like back then was not a cute thing. Like today would be like, oh, look at them having fun. Back then it was like sacrilegious. <laughs> that was a big event. And then we also have in 1278, roughly 200 people began dancing spontaneously on a bridge over the River Meuse, which resulted in its collapse into the river, where several of them died. <gasps> oh, <laughs> oh my god! And then many others were carted away after they were fished out of the water to a nearby chapel dedicated to St. Vitus, which put an asterisk next to that because... Remember, one of the known uh, names that for this comes is back. Yeah, St. Midas' yes. Dance. Yes, yes. Another one of the biggest outbreaks ever recorded came in 1374, which spread across, across large portions of, which is uh, now known as Germany, Belgium, France, Italy, and the Netherlands. And multiple chronicles agree that thousands of people danced in agony for days or weeks, screaming of terrible visions and imploring priests and monks to save their souls. Okay, I'm starting to believe this. Wow. And then 1428, it spread spread to Switzerland where there is a record of a monk dancing himself to death. Unrelatedly, in the same country that same year, there was a group of frenzied women who danced like crazy. Did any of them get like convicted for being a witch? There were so many of these occurrences that like witchcraft beyond like devilry in general wasn't really considered. Here's my here here's my little pet theory already. Yeah. You've heard of the flood. The flood? Yeah. Like the flood? Like Noah's Ark flood? Like Moses? That's not the, no, the Noah's Ark. That's the Red Sea, Sarah. Wait. You went to Catholic school, Sarah? <laughs> I've, had, I've had it forced on me. <laughs> I definitely did not. How do I know more? <laughs>
Anyway, you've heard of the flood where God was like, God was like, oh shit, I fucked up. Do over, do over everyone. Everyone's got to die. I got to fix it. Do over, do over. And floods the earth. I think, I think this was that again. Do over. Everybody's got to dance. God was like, flood was too depressing. Too depressing the first time. That was really upsetting. I'm just going to make them have a lot of fun until they die. I mean, (laughs) debatable whether this was fun or not, but we'll see. We'll see. The tickle veins don't lie. (laughs) Oh, the tickle veins. You're right. Paracelsus, damn him. I got two more examples that I feel like are important. One, because it's funny. And the other one, because it's another major out. So in 1467, uh, the abbot of a monastery near the city of Trier, Germany, recalls, quote, an amazing epidemic in which a collection of hallucinating dancers hopped and leapt for as long as six months straight. (gasps) Some of them dying after breaking their ribs and loins. Oh, my God. Oh my god. Imagine imagine dancing so much you break your loins. <laughs> and then my last one was a massive outbreak um, in 1518 in the city of Strasbourg, France, which recorded to have consumed as many as 400 people. And this is something from the previous podcast, which Sarah, you looked up real quickly. One of the chronicles regarding that outbreak claims that up to 15 people died per day dancing in the punishing heat. Shit. Which, there, there's no proof of that beyond the chronicle itself. But I mean, like, 400 people, 15 people a day, that, that makes sense to me. Yeah, well, heat stroke. Thinking about it again, like, let's say it's like day one and 15 people die. That's, like, super inappropriate to keep dancing. Well, unless you can't help it. Just dancing around the corpses. That would have snapped me out. Well, it depends on what the cause was. Well, at some point, social graces have to take over the devil, right? I feel like deep down. Dude, when I start getting into causes and treatment, you're going to be like, what the actual fuck were they thinking? (laughs) I'm going to be like, that was not socially gracious. Based on some of these, yeah, social grace and norms were right out the window. Like, it did not matter. Believe it or not, no one knows still to this day what the hell was happening. (laughs) There are only theories, because like I said, in the 17th century, it was just suddenly gone. (laughs) One popular belief or theory is that people were afflicted with ergot poisoning, aka St. Anthony's fire, which is caused by the unintentional ingestion of ergus fungus that grows on rye and other crops during floods and damp periods, which they had a lot of back then. Shit, that was Sarah's theory in episode 31. She was like, maybe they were on drugs. Yeah, so alkaloids in in this fungus leads you to have, it's called ergotism, which signs and symptoms include painful seizures and spasms, diarrhea, ticklish, uh, tingling. These people weren't dancing. No, they were not. (laughs) (laughs) They were They were were convulsing in pain, potentially. God, that's so much worse. They were doing the pee-pee dance. Oh my. Itching, mania, psychosis, headaches, nausea, and vomiting. I mean, I'm sure if you're dancing for days on end, I'm sure you're throwing up at one point or another. Oh, totally. Yeah, the only thing that argues this theory is is the other end of the symptoms and signs, which is gangrenous skin lesions and death of tissue, which that didn't seem to be in any chronicle. So maybe it was mushroom poisoning. Well, they did say their loins. They they broke their loins. What does that look like? Maybe that was just gangrene. Oh my God, Sarah, you might be onto something. I don't know. I wish they had pictures back (laughs) Oh my god, pictures. That's right. I gotta I gotta I gotta post the pictures in Bibness. Oh we got Thank you for okay, reminding okay. me. Oh, did not know we'd be treated to pictures. Oh, there's pictures. These are some depictions of uh dancing mania. Okay, so for all of our beautiful listeners who can't see, these will also be on our Twitter. So if you want to head over to Go Ask Alice Pod or our Instagram, Go Ask Alice Podcast, show off to your friends how much you know about dancing skeletons and ergot poisoning. I'm going to go ahead and say picture number three is my favorite. Me too. And I'm going to yes. tell you right now that it's it's a bunch of lovely ladies in flowing gowns dancing And in between each of them is a very happy skeleton. And they're all holding hands and dancing in a circle around another skeleton that's just having a dirt nap in the middle. And there's a bunch of crosses, so (laughs) everything's normal. And everyone's dancing and having a great time. Everything's normal (laughs) for the Middle Ages. Yeah. The dance macabre. I love it. I gotta say my second favorite is picture number one, which really looks like a wood engraving of a ye olde mosh pit. That's a great way to describe that. (laughs) Everybody's raving together. For completeness, picture number two is a slow burn. 
but it's people really going hard on what I can only assume are very possessed bagpipes and women who need to be restrained. Oh, yeah. Especially the one on the left. Look at her neck. It's gone. Her neck is going all kinds of ways. And I, I don't really see evidence for it, but they are howling. I know that they are howling. Shrieking and chanting. You can feel it in your bones. As you guys discussed already in the previous episode, mass hysteria definitely was a big leading major theory. People were just kind of for the sake of conformity and not wanting to like have their life be worse than it already is. They were afraid of God. So they were just like, oh, that person's dancing and I got to join in because if I don't, what if God hates me more now? So there's that theory. (laughs) I would have survived back then. (laughs) Yes, you would have. And then similarly, and this kind of gets depressing, um, people were just not equipped to cope with the oppressing stressors of living in the early and middle ages. Um, This included like floods, poverty, sickness, filth and squalor, everything you can imagine. So they were basically just suffering from stress-induced psychosis and flailed out of fear, oh. desperation, and all-around misery. Kind of like, what next? You know, like, by the time this comes around, it'd be like, fucking take me. This is my this is my best option to die. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to throw this example out there for you guys. Have you ever had the flu or, like, a really bad illness? Yeah. Yeah. Where you kind of just, like, you're so restless and desperate and hopeless that you kind of just, like, writhe in bed and you, like, just for the sake of moving because, like, you don't know what else to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, was that what they were going through? Because they were just so miserable. Oh, these poor people. That's kind of true, right? Like, there's, like, no entertainment. There's, like, no fun. And it's just, like, every day is a fight to survive. A few other ones that may or may not be likely causes. Some people believe it was all staged or led by religious cults that were reenacting ancient Greek and Roman rituals, which I can totally see. I can totally see that. Yeah. Now that, you know, in the 21st century, we have those churches where people... Fair Dinkum believes that they are speaking tongues. Yeah. And they're literally just sprouting gibberish. Current day flash mobs. If you were in one of those, you'd be like, what the hell is happening? This is so bizarre. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be like, it's God's Flood Part 2, the guys. Part 2, the sequel. For real. Um, Another belief was that they were all cursed by St. Vitus, the patron saint of dancers and entertainers, which I guess makes sense. That, yep. Interestingly, dancing mania often broke out around the celebratory feast of St. Vitus, which is June 15th, possibly due to exposure of mass contaminated food by ergot, mushroom, fungus, whatever. Or possibly they were all just crazed and dancing to honor the saint. But who cares? You're cursed now. (laughs) You're cursed now. And then lastly, the age old, oh, it's demons or Satan himself possessing you. Oh, it's always demons. It's demons. Always. Always the demon. So we'll quickly jump to remedies and treatment and wrap it up. Yeah. Is there like an ointment you can (laughs) slap on it? Not exactly, but but there were the general all cures of bloodletting, leeching, or carrying around a dead rabbit's foot. You got to flush out. The laughter veins. I'm going to change the word every time. Absolutely. You got to flush them out at that point. It's like a radiator. Like you got to bleed it a little bit so it works better. (laughs) And then we, of course, had exorcisms because when all else fails. An exorcism. Oh, classic. I feel like the most appropriate thing they did was isolate people, which I think was like what we would do now. We're like, we don't know what this is. You need to be in quarantine. And then it gets ridiculous. I mean, a lot of people thought because this was people's blood heating up, everything was about heat and blood and brain back then. Like you have, you, you have to work out the heat. So somebody thought a great idea was more dancing. Mm. We need to make these people dance more so that they basically remove this heat themselves. And to couple that, a lot of cities that were infected with dancing mania corralled people like sheep into certain areas and played frantic upbeat music so that they would dance more. (laughs) So like, imagine if you're actually suffering like in painful delirium, like flailing about and you just have this band like in your face, like with bagpipes and drums, like go, go, go dance it out, dance it out. Cause (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That really is like, they genuinely believed. I don't know if you guys have ever moshed in your day, but there is like a etiquette to the mosh pit. That's like, if you're in it and you either get knocked down or thrown out, everybody kind of pauses to help you stand back up or throw you back in. And that's just like, all I can think of is like these frantic bagpipes and everybody pushing (laughs) each other back into the dance circle. 
This this is not in my notes, but I remember it from the readings. They literally hired people to prop the dancers back up if they fell from exhaustion. Oh my god! And make them continue dancing. Oh my god! Do you know if it worked? Yeah. I remember hearing something like that. It was craziness. Did it? Did you ask? Did it work? Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> I guess for some people it did, but there was there was a um, unintended side effect which. You corral these people, you're forcing them to dance. It looks fun. People who aren't infected start to join in and then all fucking hell breaks loose and it's chaos. <laughs> so that was a thing. It sounds awful. Mind you, they genuinely believe like music will magically separate like venom, toxins, and evil from your blood and calm your spirit. They didn't just do this because it's like, well, let's just try this. They genuinely believe this would cure them. I mean, that also makes sense, too, because, well, if it was tarantula bites, we're coming back to venom and everything now. Because that was one of the other names, mm. right? Was something that sounded like... T- Tarantism. That was local to Italy only, where um, mass uh, public panic broke out when people believed that even being near someone or being touched by a spider would give you dancing mania, or tarantism, as it was known in Italy. First of all, beautiful. I love that. But also, like, you know, if you get bitten by a tarantula, you need to separate out the evil from your blood with music. Absolutely. It's science. Just like today. Just like today. not medical advice the only thing i found that apparently worked according to the records is um for sure for sure people would take pilgrimage or i guess it wasn't always a pilgrimage i'm sure people just had holy shrines near them but specifically to saint vitus again where they would pray for forgiveness and salvation because you know he cursed them apparently and um there are some instances where there and by the way Precursor, there's no known reason for this, but in some instances, the victims of dancing mania were forced to wear a pair of red shoes and dance for days around the saint's effigy. And after several days of doing this, they were magically cured. That doesn't make Because any- they're probably like, God, this has gone too far. I've had enough of this. I want to go home. Part of me thinks they were just sick of it. No, but- And it- they were like, all right, I'm done. But it's yeah. the devil who wears the hip red shoe. Is it? Yes. I- that doesn't make any sense. Well, I'm sure they would have been nice shoes. Red was a rare color back in the day. No, apparently this was the only thing that definitively worked. Good on them. (laughs) I disagree with their science, but... (laughs) I disagree with their Satan science. I'll wait for that paper to come out. (laughs) It's a long time coming. God damn. So do you think... Do you feel, Jean, was there like a little bug inside you, like researching all of this that made you kind of want to dance? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) After reading about this, I was like, I never want to dance again. This is awful. Everything about dancing is awful. (laughs) I almost wonder if this is partially where our cultural horror when it comes to spiders comes from. Mm. Maybe. That's another topic to research. I think there's lots of different weird myths and, and superstitions around spiders. Which, I mean, makes sense, because back in the day, if you got bit by a poisonous one, you would die. But then there's a lot that aren't venomous, sorry, not poisonous, that aren't venomous, that are just like friendly little good guys that you need to to keep your ecosystem happy. Oh, man, I love love spiders. Yeah, we love spiders. I don't want them on me, ever, but I appreciate their hard work. This is a pro-spider podcast. (laughs) Happy first topic, Jean. You did it. Yay! Yay! <laughs> it was genuinely, it was fascinating and it was very human. It was, you. I feel like you you did a really, really human job of it, which yeah. is my favorite part. Oh, so the bar has been set high after all. All right, so speaking of the devil and demonic Ooh. possession, I'm going to tell you about Devil's Island. Yeah. Oh, that's right. So excited! I want to go. I want to go, regardless of what you say. Yeah, I, I don't know where it is, but I would like to go. Sarah and I are booking a trip. Okay, I'm gonna remind you that you said. Is that. this the one where there's like skulls washing up on shore? No, this is actually off the coast of South America near Guyana. No, okay, I'll cover that island in another episode. That's one off England, and it's insane. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so it was the territory of French Guiana. When they took it. So I don't know actually uh, who it belongs to now, but 
we're going to talk a little bit about its history. And it's funny because once again, on my little like trek through Wikipedia, I was like, you know, I do a lot of history. I want to get out of the same... Anytime I try to guide God's hand, I swear to God, this like whole experience of finding a wiki article is like a fucking Ouija board. And I am possessed by the same ghost every fucking time. Because guess what? I'm going to talk about French history again. I'm not even like, I'm like mad about it. Uh, what? I'm here for it. Thanks, Gina. You are French. You are, you're a French soul deep, deep down inside. It's like, oui, oui, let me out. Let me learn. <laughs> Le boo. Le boo. Le boo. I want to put Sarah on the spot here because Sarah comes from, in her family and in her own country's history, a penal colony. Ooh, penal. I like that word. It's not what you think. Yeah. You send you send the bad people there. In quotation marks. I mean, people got sent there for stupid reasons. Do you want to explain what a penal colony is? And it's fine if you use Australia as an example. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Australia, everybody knows the Australia was invaded and stolen by the British. And there was thousands and thousands of indigenous people living here very peacefully until the British came. And they didn't just come to settle it. They came to ship all of the overflowing prisoners from the UK here because there was issues and the people who were getting you know sentenced to prison it could have been for the most trivial things like stealing a goose or stealing a piece of bread and then you know your more serious (laughs) crimes like rape and murder they should be in prison for sure Um, but they were taking the ones that had less serious crimes so that's that's kind of like the theft or you know very very low low brow not not too serious crimes and sending them here And the idea was that they would be able to basically help build this new civilization and then they would earn back their freedom. And so a heap of different different little sub-colonies started along mainly the east coast of Australia at first. But I did some family history and apparently we had on one side of my family some people who were on the, um, the different first fleet shipments of convicts and one of them was convicted for stealing two geese from his neighbor and i'm like (laughs) i don't know if he was trying to sell them or if he was trying to eat them but either way like that's really sad it's like i stole two birds and now i'm on a new land great um (laughs) great and then (laughs) on the other side of the planet yeah and then another guy i forget what his name was but another guy was sentenced to prison and to to come to the colony Um, because he didn't pay his board and in I saw like a little transcript from the court proceedings he swears black and blue that he put his whatever shillings on the dresser and he's like either the maid or the lady of the house has taken it and they just don't want me here anymore (gasps) and I'm like oh my god imagine going to prison for like paying your rent late crazy that's insane that he was just like arrested and sent to the other side of the world so that that's that's a penal colony they send the prisoners there good luck make a new life excellent yeah (laughs) it's an excellent 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 description thank you very much sarah This is one such penal colony. However, it is for France's human garbage. Okay. <laughs> Not to say your ancestors were human garbage. I'm sorry. It's true, though. God damn. I'm so sorry. Don't be sorry. I just mean to say, I mean to express that it is ridiculous that a country could just ship people around as if they're objects Mm -hmm. and just discard them as if they're garbage. When really, you know, these are people with real lives and real families. And in the case of Sarah's family, didn't even really do anything wrong. Like, could it just suffice with a slap on the wrist? I know. It's very interesting, too, because I feel like a lot of cases like that don't really get recorded or talked about or passed down in history. And it's really only the infamous or really bad ones that survive. So today I'm going to talk about some of the worst people who were sent to Devil's Island. Fun. Oof. I'm guessing these were not the bread stealers. Maybe not even. Maybe I've talked it up a little too much already. I'm actually going to talk about the people who tried to escape from Devil's Island. Okay. Is it very far from the coastline? 
It is quite a bit far. There's no real statistic on a map, but it's part of like a tiny cluster of islands that are volcanic in origin. So like Hawaii, for example, they're very, very teeny tiny and quite far off the coast, but I guess far enough that you could take a ship or take a boat and escape. Oh, so not swim, I was going to ask. No, I think much too far to swim. And I actually ended up here because I started on an article that was a list of people who have disappeared and reappeared again. Oh, okay. (laughs) I love this. There were some really interesting one-offs, like a woman who disappeared because her husband killed her because he thought that she was a fairy. Fairies kidnapped her and replaced her with a changeling. That was one of them. Wow, he's delusional. Yes, oh my God, changelings. <laughs> the whole article was was pretty interesting reading the whole list, but a few of the people on the list were sent to Devil's Island and escaped. Wow. So they are the, actually the ones who I'm going to talk about. You know, maybe not as cool as the evil murderers and one, oh my God, can I just for a second, this was not, not Devil's Island, but one of the people on that list really caught my attention because he was kidnapped by pirates and then dropped on this desert island where he like survived by scavenging fruit because he didn't have any tools and then fucking met somebody else who was also stranded on the island and this man mysteriously disappears and or dies and then our first guy takes his tools and starts eating like a king and then gets a ride back with a ship that happened to land on the island he was totally murdered the second dude he totally murdered him I know mysteriously quote unquote totally murdered for his tools yeah he was he was like oh he just went into the jungle and never came back yeah sure he did he went in your stomach we know what happened (laughs) (laughs) you think he ate him i reckon yes sir i don't don't think he ate him i mean you're on a secluded island and all you've got is fruit and this is coming from the vegetarian That's true. That's true. It is slim pickings. Just from history, you know people are bad when they're in a tough situation. Well, all right. We're going to talk about (laughs) what it was like on Devil's Island. Okay. I'm so excited. Let's do it. So it was very, very tiny, but the living conditions were piss fucking poor. It was really, really hot. It's got a tropical climate there. And the staff who worked there, I think, hated their jobs. They treated all the prisoners like shit. But these were for real murderers and shit like that. So maybe don't feel that bad. Uh, Keep the vibes up. Justice works or something like that. Just (laughs) pretend for a second. And there was a... There was a lot of disease, a lot of bad vibes there, but good vibes while you're listening. Don't even, don't think too hard about it. (laughs) And at its worst, 75% mortality rate on this island. Oh, wow. That's a lot. It was bad. So this was a penal colony? Colony? I guess you could think of it as like a a prison island. Oh, so they weren't building a new civilization there. They were just sent there to get the hell away from the rest of yes, society. Yes, They were like, we need to just ship you off somewhere. Bye-bye. That no one will find you. Got it. Wow. This prison island operated between 1852 to 1952, which is a little Oof. more modern than I was expecting. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm hearing this and I'm like 16, 1700s, maybe. Yeah. Like, no, dude. Yes, like That's what I was thinking. It was in living memory. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, (laughs) I think my favorite description before I get into who was there, this is the moment where I was like, this is my fucking topic. I read this and gasped out loud. Are you? I'm going to read it straight from the wiki. (laughs) You're going to hear it straight from the wiki's mouth. Around the middle of the 19th century, an experiment was carried out in which 15 prostitutes were brought to Devil's Island who were thought to encourage prisoners to live a dignified life and start a family. The women were guarded by nuns. No families were born, but the women offered sexual favors to anyone who could offer them rum. Disputes arose among the men, and eventually a syphilis epidemic raged on the island. (laughs) You don't see it, but my mouth is agape. (laughs) Oh my god. First of all, why did they think that was gonna work? Yes, we're gonna make these men settle down, but basically I'm sure they kidnapped. I'm sure the prostitutes weren't like, yes, take me to Devil's Island. <laughs> they were probably arrested, taken there, and it's like, alrighty, make a family, play happy family. Okay, now playhouse. Also, so many contradictions. And they brought freaking nuns to babysit them? My god. I also I 
love that they're like the miracle of childbirth is no. going to fix you. <laughs> like, no, like, they're like you're gonna be a father and all your problems are going to go away. You're going to change instantly. You're going to look in that baby's eyes and be like, I got to get off Devil's Island. Oh, yeah. We, no, no. We see in society today, <laughs> babies do not fix bad men. <laughs> no, they don't fix anything. And I love, I love too that the prostitutes were like, fuck that, but I'll do it for, for rum. rum. Like, rum. You know? yeah. This is what I'm saying. Like the point was to like make them all like good people. Meanwhile, prostitutes, rum, like all these horrible things <laughs> that are seen as like sin back in the day. Like what makes you think that's going to make everyone happy and holy? Yeah, it's like if the nuns were already there, like... Oh, yeah, and let's not forget the rapists and murderers. Yeah, you know, what every bad man needs is a good woman to really turn him around. <laughs> yeah, so that was that was an attempt. Yeah, syphilis wouldn't have been very fun. <laughs> that was an attempt. <laughs> People tried that. People really tried that. Uh, but anyway... <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about a couple colorful individuals who were sent to this island. And actually, before I even get into the criminals, I do actually want to mention one person who was completely innocent and very famous. Totally fine if you've never heard of this person. Have you heard of Richard Dreyfus? Yes. The Dreyfus Affair. Yes. No. Okay. I remembered this from school, but did not remember what it was. I don't remember Have what you, it was. You... I remember the name, though. I remember learning about it. Yeah, so the Dreyfus Affair was basically, not to get too into it, so kind of glossing over it pretty quickly, uh, it happened in France, and this man, I guess he was like in the military, Richard Dreyfus, was accused of being a German spy, and he was also Jewish, and he was not only accused of being a spy, but everybody in the police force or everybody in the military, whatever, was like, oh yeah, Let's get rid of him. And so he was actually sent to Devil's Island. But there was something kind of sus about the whole situation. And I don't know if you've heard of J'accuse, but that was a French open letter that was actually written by um, a very prominent French journalist at the time that was sent to the newspapers and garnered enough public interest that the public came forward and were like, this guy was definitely innocent, was definitely not a spy. And in fact, somebody higher up in the military was a spy, but all of his friends framed Dreyfus again and forged documents to make it look like it really was Dreyfus who did it. And so they forged all of the evidence to seal his fate. Uh, eventually, though, he did come back and was given justice a bit, but it was it was very scandalous at the time. My God. Question. Mm-hmm. Did he come back a father? <laughs> no. Weirdly, no fun for him. Weirdly, though, he did come back and continued to serve in the military, and I would have been like, "Fuck all of you!" Oh yeah, I wouldn't have given them a single penny of my time. But anyway, so if you've heard of Richard Dreyfus before or the Dreyfus affair, it is connected to Devil's Island, but not the most interesting part. In fact, I'm going to tell you about some of those colorful figures right now. So one of them is Charles de Rudio, who I had never heard of, but he tried to assassinate Napoleon the Third. Oh, for him. Okay. It was, was, he went for that it. That was his crime. He really went all in and he was sent to Devil's Island. But what I love is that he escaped by boat with 12 other people and then joined the American army and survived the Battle of Little Bighorn. Oh, good for him for okay. real. How did he get, what boat did they take? Did they steal like a full on ship to get 12 people on it? There were no other details. You're right, though. That is like way That's bigger than be a rowboat. a big boat, especially to get to the like to the United States as well. Well, so first they made it to British Guiana and okay. then went to the U.S. So I think that they did a little bit of traveling by land, but it was like this man <laughs> tried to assassinate fucking Napoleon the Third, then escaped a prison island, and then survived one of the biggest battles in like American history like let's just hit all the big ones yeah that's a that's pretty interesting life that's awesome yeah (laughs) Henri Cherrier and Sylvain (laughs) Henri wrote a best-selling book about his successful escape from Devil's Island where he and Sylvain used two sacks filled with coconuts 
as lifeboats. That's kind of genius. I want to see Mythbusters test this. (laughs) They leaped into heavy seas off a cliff and drifted to the mainland over three days, where Sylvain died in quicksand a short distance from the shore. Oh my god. Also, why would you leap from a cliff? That seems very reckless. Onto coconuts? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But then the quicksand is what got him. That's kind of sad. Turns out. Was he murdered? Turns out. Yeah. The book was a fake. Oh. This guy did escape from prison, but it was on land and it was not Devil's Island. And the rest of the story was a fake. And it's kind of like, okay, yeah, once quicksand entered the equation, like, you should have fucking known. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I've never heard of quicksand in a beach location. Yeah. Yeah, I... At that point, yeah, it's like, yeah, you've never been to a beach. Trying to be creative. He was letting his creative outlets flow. (laughs) It was a pretty controversial book at the time, especially because people realized that it was fake. Um, Yeah. But had to be there, I guess. What a fun book. My favorite story I'm saving for last, Bernard Carnot. And I think that there are a lot of pockets in here for imagination, which is why it's my favorite. So it's New Year's Eve, 1938. Oh, sorry. It's already 1938. Sorry, 1937. It's already 1938. And this guy named Bernard is in New York City. And it's a couple days into the new year. Maybe he's making a few uh, resolutions or is that what they're called? Yeah. New Year's resolutions. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I forgot that word for a second. Yeah. So he's like, you know, I want to live a better life. What am I doing? And he's in the big city and he rents a room from a French immigrant named Madame Carnot. And her son, Bernard Carnot had been sent to Devil's Island in 1922. And the protagonist of this little story is William Willis. So William Willis is staying at Madame Carnot's and her son Bernard had been sent to Devil's Island in 1922 for a murder that she claims he did not commit. Mother's always going to say that though. Naturally. The wiki article says, Out of compassion and a sense of adventure, William Willis set out to the penal colony. What, for fun? To bust out this Bernard Carnot from prison. Wait, he's still in prison? I I don't believe this. He's in prison on Devil's Island, and his mother is in New York City, and her tenant, William Willis... I'm gonna go get your son. Coming out of New Year's Eve, New Year's... Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna get your son, I'm gonna save your son. Okay, I thought that her son had come home and had, like, told him of all the adventures, and he's like, yeah, I'm gonna go give it a go. Good trip advisor score. No, this guy William is so moved by the story. He's like, yeah, I bet your son's innocent. He was wrongly convicted of murder. Out of compassion and a sense of adventure, I'm going to travel down to South America and I'm going to bust your son out of a prison island. Wow. I have a theory. What's your theory? They were banging. Yes. (laughs) New Year's Eve, alcohol is involved. He's like, I want to bang her. I got to impress her. I got to save her son. That's my theory. That's that's what I thought too. It's a good theory. So I don't know what happened in the interim. I didn't read the full story. This might be in a memoir or something like that. Apparently, it's successful. And William and Bernard are smuggled to Brazil aboard a cargo ship. And Bernard Carnot never reunites with his family. Although they learned via Willis in a letter that he gained his freedom. Hmm. Why? Why? I have questions. Yeah. So where did he go? Apparently they went from Brazil and then he went to Europe, joined the army and was reportedly killed in action. Cardo was? Carno. Why? Why wouldn't he go see his mama after all that time? Why? Why didn't he see his mom? Why didn't he write the letter himself? He did not make it out. No, I think Willis just went down to South America and had himself a vacation. Do you think he did it on her dime? Shit, I didn't even think of that. Oh my god, maybe they they banged and that was his payment. You're you're on this storyline. You're like you're like this. I know it. I know people. And I know people. <laughs> This is how people work. We may never know, but I thought that it was, if anything, a very far-fetched scam. Yeah, (laughs) To just be like, oh yeah, I'll bust your son out of here. But anyway, the, the prison colony, prison island has been shut down. As of now, 
It belongs to the Guiana Space Center, and the islands have to be evacuated every time they launch rockets because the trajectory oh. of the rockets goes right over the islands. That makes, I think i See, that sounds like a fun place to visit now. I think I've had a payload launch from Guiana before. Are you so that serious? That would make sense. Yeah, one of our older ones before we switched to um, SpaceX payloads to the That's ISS. Awesome. Apparently oh. it's beautiful down there. Devil's Island, man. Wow, I really want to go see it. I want to see what it's like. <laughs> I was just going to quickly ask, are there remnants of the prison colony there? Or is it just like completely redone into a spaceport, basically? Good question. Yeah, no. So pretty much all of the buildings on the island have been saved as historical monuments. So there is actually a lot of tourism Ooh, wow. to the island. So you can go and visit Devil's Island if Yay. you'd like. And I I just noticed also in the wiki article that William Willis's adventure was on season four of Drunk History on Comedy Ooh. Central. So I'm going to have to watch it because I fucking love, oh, love that, that show. That's crazy. Yep, that's a- Who knew a little island with so much jazzy history existed? <laughs> <laughs> also, what what a turnaround from prison colony to space. I know. That was the other thing. It, the whole article itself felt like getting like whipped back and forth into like, now we're on crazy adventures and now we're going to talk about like death and murder and now we're going to talk about space launches. It sounds like an action story <laughs> written by a 12 year old. Like there's just everything. Hell yeah. The best there's kind. There's prostitutes and syphilis and like and death and explosions. <laughs> I forgot about the prostitutes and syphilis. I think it sounds amazing. It's like so chaotic. So chaotic. I love it. Yeah, very chaotic. But yep, that is the abridged history of Devil's Island. Thank you for coming. That was a good one. Thank you for having us. Okay. Are you ready to jump from Devil's Island all the way back to the ye old ages of the dinosaurs? Oh, yeah. Yes. So we're going to go from Devil's Island with cheeky crims and sensationalized stories back to just the most humble dinosaur I think I've ever learned about. And I love them so much. So they are called the Myasaura. So Myasaura comes from, the word itself comes from two Greek words. They mean good mother and they mean reptile. So when they first discovered this fossil, that's like the first thing that came to mind was, first of all, it's probably a dinosaur, probably reptilian. And second of all, what a good mama. Like that was their first thoughts. And so immediately I'm hooked. I'm like, okay, what did they find? And it is so cute. We're going to have some photos on our social media for everybody to look at. I want you to just look at... Oh, I know these. Yeah, I want you to, to look at her little face and can you describe it? Oh my God. Can I describe yeah. it? Yeah, go. Okay, well, I, I don't know if this is going to be a, a good description, but first thing I see is a big snoot, yes. big nose, and a cheeky little grin, yeah. I would say. Yes. Yeah, cheeky grin. And and a high-raised, noble-looking brow, perhaps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spot on. And um, uh, dainty, but very distinct cheekbones. Yeah. Mm. I, think I love a- this description. And, and the jaw, the, what is it called? Oh no, the mandible, right? The mandible jaw. It's kind of bulbous towards like the back, which, which makes me <laughs> think this, this dinosaur smiled a lot. Oh. <laughs> I love you, Jean. <laughs> That's all I got. That's amazing. No notes. No notes. No notes. Yeah. Well, Jean pretty much did spot on. So they are a duct build type dinosaur. So they have kind of that flat jaw-like looking appearance um, and you were spot on with the raised eyebrows so they had small spiky crest just above their eyes or what would be our eyebrows it was their spiky crest and they think that this crest might have been used in headbutting contests between the males during breeding season the classic headbutt crest that we see in a heap of different animals and i've written down good old fight club good old fight club Classic. And these things, like, it looks really big in the photo. I assumed it would be big, but it was massive. So they were about nine meters long and they could weigh up to four metric tons. Damn. Absolutely massive. That's like several 18 wheelers. A couple of cars. For for our uh, United States audience, that's basically 30 feet long. It's massive. That's big. That's 30 subway foot long. <laughs> yes. In a row. Wait, hold on. Can we just appreciate how Jean says 30 feet and Sarah had to equate that to 30 foot longs? That's how I measure everything in feet. 
<laughs> it's, it's basically the same. Like, I can't picture the length of a foot, but I can picture the length of a foot long subway. I want to tell you that that's the same thing. but They definitely aren't, but close enough. Which, But I would make the argument if you can imagine a foot long, then you can imagine a foot. So back to the back to the dinosaur. So do you see the little cartoon drawing where it's like a big mama with her baby? They have really big back legs. So their back legs are much higher than their front legs. Um, and I was like, wow, that's what a weird design choice by evolution there. Like that's got it looks a little bit unstable. Um, it kind of in the same way a T Rex. Sorry, Sarah. Yeah. Kind of the same way as a T-Rex, but how does a T-Rex walk? A T-Rex walks on his hind legs, but in this illustration... Bipedal. Yeah, in this illustration, she is walking on all four legs. It's just that her front legs are small. So... Like, she's kind of tipped forward. Yeah, exactly. Imagine a T-Rex trying to, like, get itself up from falling over. That's kind of what it looks like. (laughs) And it looks awkward as hell for this poor thing. And it turns out from recent research, they're pretty sure that for the majority of their lives, they would have been bipedal. So they would have walked on their two back legs when they were younger and when they were in their middle age. And then as they got older, they kind of, like, started to walk on all fours because it was easier for them. That's really cute. But isn't that cute? Yeah, like little old dinosaur. It's like when you get to your 30s and you're like, okay, my back hurts. Do I need a walker? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What if we all just did start crawling in our old age and then everyone just accepted it? Like That's how we evolved. Okay, that's it. Old bones. So these little cuties, they were pretty sure that they lived mainly around the state of Montana, now in the United States, as well as the province of Alberta in Canada. So kind of that bridging section between the United States and Canada. From all of the different fossil records, we think that they lived around 76.7 million years ago, which is like good and bad news because it meant that they sadly had died out before the major extinction event 65 million years ago. But good news, they didn't have to deal with that that shit show that was the earth for a few few hundred thousand years there they were protected they were they were too sweet to survive that long so i was like wow i guess they found this like hundreds of years ago nope the first specimen was found in 1978 what? wow yeah so pretty recent they dug they dug it up and the first specimen they found was actually a mama with her nest of eggs and that's why it got the name of the good mother. And it, we've got um, a couple of different pictures in there of recreations of the eggs that are half hatched that they found. Um, and then also a recreation of the mama standing up near her nest. And it's so I love cute. that one. It's like a little bowl of like crying bones. Oh, stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She looks so happy in that recreation. She's like, you're my babies. And they're like, yeah. She does look so happy. Oh, I'm imagining that they would have been like greyhounds, like big, sweet, sweetie. They kind of do have the same snout shape as a greyhound. They do. Same big snoot, big long neck. I'm convinced that everything can look like a greyhound at one point or another. (laughs) (laughs) So it gets even sweeter from the discoveries. So they found that they were a nesting reptile. So they made a nest out of the dirt and the ground, made kind of like this, you can imagine they were doing like pottery out of the dirt and the mud to make a nice nest for their babies. Um, And then they would nest alongside their babies and they lived in group colonies together. So there'd be multiple nests near each other and multiple adults looking after the nest. When I read this, I was like, okay, I'm imagining like 10 or so of them just living together, living their best life. I was so, so wrong. Herds were extremely large and could have comprised as as many as (gasps) 10,000 individuals. What? That's so much more than I was imagining. I was like, okay, like a hundred. Yeah. Oh my God. Isn't that crazy? How many nests would there have been? So many. Hundreds, hundreds of nests. Hundreds to thousands. It's like a nest city. So with their nesting, they found that they would separate them by only seven meters. So every seven meters, there'd be a nest, which if you remember back, they're only, they're nine meters long. So their nests were closer together than the length of their body which in my mind oh my god it's uh, i was gonna say it's like penguins yeah. you, you know like about penguins and how they nest they equated it to how penguins nest so the idea is that no matter where they were laying they were always within reach of one or two nests for protection 
which I'm like, oh, oh, it is so. Oh, but so you know the you, you know the thing about penguins and their close proximity nesting. What is it? They shit all over each other. Oh well, I'm sure this would have been the case as well. It's still cute. They did not have proper plumbing figured out or like a designated outhouse. We do. So with their nesting, because obviously these things are freaking massive. You can't just lay on your eggs when you're the size of like a semi-trailer. That's, (laughs) it's not good for your eggs. So instead to keep their eggs warm, they would just do like a rotating pylon of dead vegetation. So they would go and pick up old leaves and sticks and pile it on top of the nest. And the idea was that when the vegetation started to decompose, it would generate heat naturally just like a compost and that would help keep their eggs warm that's so smart they're so smart like little baby scientists i think i think crocodiles do something like that don't they probably i I wouldn't put it i'm pretty sure crocodiles do they lay similar kind of nests and just put on a ton of leaves and stuff there's one image the second to last image do you want to describe that this was one of the most precious things i think i've ever seen it's a cast of an actual fossil that they found gene's so good at this i want gene to do it oh no okay the pressure okay so it's a half open egg with a little baby myosaur right myosaur yeah little baby myosaur lying on its back looking up at the sky with its left arm kind of like almost scratching its little snoot. And I would imagine that its mama is above it looking down on it. It's looking up at it like, you're my mama. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this little guy's like half hatched. Exactly, exactly what Jean said with his little scratchy snoot. I don't know how he died. I wonder if, because like things with fossils to be preserved so well, normally it's they have to be covered with certain like layers of, of earth and water and clay and whatever. Yeah. So I wonder if they could have died out from like a flood or something like that. Another like natural phenomenon. But he was just kind of frozen in time. It's kind of like Pompeii. A bit like the Pompeii people. Yes. Exactly. That's what this looks like. He's just frozen in action. I like, I love you, mama. This actually makes me really sad in context now because I'm like, <laughs> it's dead. No. I know we look at these and it looks like they're, you know, I know it doesn't look like they're alive, right. but we look at this and imagine life and forget that yeah. these are all dead. Yeah, but I'm sure they had a good life while they survived. Well, not that um, one. Anyway, so they found a a heap of a heap of these examples like little baby bones big mama bones you know all sorts of these nesting examples in what they call a place called egg mountain and this place in montana was the first proof that giant dinosaurs raised and fed their young just like other reptiles and birds do today what's incredible is from this whole like site because they have so many different specimens of these dinosaurs they were able to do a full-on like statistical study of them which is really really cool so i thought i'd finish off by highlighting work that was led by holly woodward at l and in their paper they kind of gave insight into the history of not only these type of dinosaurs but what their their lives were and it's quoted as being the most detailed life history of any dinosaur ever known to which all others can now be compared wow there was just that much data well i guess that's what happens right when an entire kind of area or civilization sort of of dinosaurs gets kind of frozen in time like it's like you said it's amazing that the conditions for making those fossils existed at all like i know in other episodes we've talked about like exactly what that required and how it's astounding that that fossils even survive to today but yeah like that an entire area of like thousands of yeah nests yeah. could survive yeah i guess you could really make some some substantiated claims about how they live and so from it so they used a sample of 50 individual bone sets from 50 different individual dinosaurs that they had found and from that they were able to figure out the different mortality rate so they had both full-grown dinosaurs and then also these little infant dinosaurs that were like freshly hatched and they found that in the first year of their life there was an 89.9 percent chance of death in their first year oh wow Damn. yeah which i think is probably similar to other types of species which lay quite a lot of eggs and only so many will ever survive i was gonna say there's like one two three four five six seven eight nine in this one picture of like the mama dinosaur looking down on her nest and maybe only one would survive to adulthood that's really it's like you said about you know you gotta lay a bunch of eggs to compensate yeah 
Um, but it, good news, once they made it into their second year, it dropped to about 12%. So not too bad. You've got better chances. Nice. So then after that, they would spend the next six to eight years maturing and growing. Like they kind of had their kid years, like where they were actually growing up. It was found that their sexual maturity looked like it was occurring in about their third year while their skeletal maturity was attained at eight years of age kind of like how we go through like humans go through puberty like 12 13 years old but you don't stop growing until you're much older i got you okay and so after their eighth birthday so when they were fully grown their mortality rate then spiked back up to about 44 percent yes so it, it just is that due to like predatory dinosaurs going after them yeah possibly or I'm not even sure if it would then just be like now old age. I didn't see a life expectancy for them. But the studies used the different bones to, to say that for most of their life, they were bipedal when they were in that juvenile stage. And then once they got to about that eighth year, they would have switched to the walking on all four legs as they got older and aged. I mean, it could also, it could be both, right? It could be that they're old, but then also they probably can't outrun predators as well on their... That's true. I have a difficult time imagining these dinosaurs just walking around on two legs for some reason. Is it just me? I can imagine it, but it would be like a clumsy version of the T-Rex. That's how I imagine it. Because their front feet look like, kind of like, uh, what's the right word? Like stumps or whatever, kind of like elephant feet, just smaller. Mm. Yeah. They don't look like they would have a use for their appendages. Yeah, and their back feet have kind of like the actual, they've got toes and, and claws, yeah. like more of a hoof rather than like a stump. Although actually, you know, now that I look at the little baby again, he does have pretty distinct little little fingies there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think they were just the prettier versions of T-Rexes. I really like them. But yeah, that was my topic. I'm so happy to have like uncovered these sweet little dinosaurs. And I think this is now my new favorite dinosaur. <laughs> love that i think that's also a beautiful way to tie everything together we talked a lot about death and illness and mystery and now it's you know i like this sweet note of could be scary but actually just the the world's best mom that's ever existed yeah thank you sarah for teaching us this new dinosaur it's not it's not every day we get to learn about a new dinosaur oh you're welcome my absolute pleasure and everyone please go have a look at the photos because they are just adorable they're so cute i will say this uh this definitely brought me back to my childhood because i used to love 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 dinosaurs <laughs> i used to get those like really crappy magazines i don't know if you're aware um I yeah. for- you know you know <laughs> i'd open it up every month and be like whoa look at this i'm gonna me be too. an archaeologist when <laughs> i grow up and look for dinosaur bones <laughs> This was a nice throwback to my childhood. It's never too late. Never too late for you to become an archaeologist and take me along on the digs. As always, thank you guys for hanging out with us and learning something new. Hopefully now you have three new topics to impress everyone at the party this weekend. If you're listening on your phone, go ahead and look down and click five stars for the dinosaurs that you learned about today. And um, yeah, before we go, we just want to say that we love Robin. We love Robin. Yes. Now that I know who she is, we love Robin. Bye-bye. I did also just look up about Satan and red shoes because it's really bothering me. And apparently Satanists wear red shoes as a symbol of child and human sacrifice. During sacrificial rituals, Satanists wear red shoes claimed to be made of human leather. So when blood gets on the shoes, it doesn't show. Which is stupid because when blood dries, it's brown. So they should be wearing brown shoes.